Well, I think the Apostle John puts it most succinctly in John chapter 12 when he states this. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Today is Palm Sunday, the day that is set aside for us to remember this event, this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. I think it's important just to try and picture this scene. Think about Jesus knowing what was to come, sitting on that donkey, walking up that road, is greeted by an exalted crowd of hundreds, of hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and they're laying their colorful cloaks on the ground, and they're, they're waving palm branches in the air, and they're singing praises to their Messiah, their Messiah, the one who will free them, the one who will bring them hope and will remove the Roman rule. It must have been electric. It must have been electric. But if you fast forward just one week later, and that giant raucous crowd had dwindled to a scared few who were confused and holding on to hope. It was a tiny remnant who prayed and watched together, so small a number that they, they, they could only fill an upper room in a home. Jesus, their Messiah, the one who come to lead them and set them free, was, was dead. And the boot of Roman oppression was still on the throats of their people. They were alone. Jesus had left them, but they had not left Jesus. And you and I, we get to know the rest of the story. But if we think back to that Palm Sunday, most of those who were there for that glorious Sunday did not, to experience, did not get to experience the true glory of Easter morning. They saw Jesus on a cult, but they didn't get to see Jesus in the garden. And it was not because Jesus left them. It was because they left Jesus. Now, it can be easy for us to, to stand in judgment of those people who left because we know how the story ends, but let's hold on a second. If we pause again for a moment, and if we look out at our world right now on this Palm Sunday, it really is scary how much our world is still like their world and how much we can still be like them. True, we're not under the oppression of Roman rule, but a quick scan of our world this week makes our hearts cry out. We cry out for justice in Sacramento. We cry out for mercy for the unborn. We cry out for safety for children in our schools. We cry out for men to stop living the lives of our culture by using and abusing women instead of protecting and empowering them. We cry out for leaders to lead with integrity and righteousness in the world and in the church. And then we see things like what happened in France this week where a police officer was killed after he traded places with a hostage and our hearts don't even know what to cry. It's easy, isn't it? 
It's easy for the heavy things of this world to flood our hearts and minds and for our thoughts to turn from Jesus. It's easy to come together on Sunday and worship and praise him, but what about Monday? How do you and I, how do we get to Easter Sunday and how do we get beyond? How do we stay with Jesus? Well, the answer is not to run from Jesus and to try and fix the world on our own. And the answer is also not to run to Jesus and let the world try and fix itself on its own. The answer is to run with Jesus, to let him transform you so you can be about his work in his way, in his world. The answer is to run with Jesus, to let him transform you so you can be about his work in his way, in his world. Well, how do we do this? How do we stay with Jesus? Well, we do what Paul just has been telling us in Colossians. Think about Colossians 3.1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. If you're with Jesus and you want to stay with him, keep looking at him and keep looking for him. But more than that, we do what the writer of Hebrews says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If we're with Jesus and we want to stay with him, we run the race that he has for us in this world, looking to him for the power and hope that only he can give. It's Palm Sunday this morning, and Jesus is on the donkey. If you want to stay with him through Gethsemane in the garden on Easter morning and beyond, we need to look at him, to keep looking at him, and to look at him again. And that's how I want to start off Holy Week together, looking at this Jesus on the donkey, but also looking at Jesus, this founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can run with him and for him. But I'd like to look at Jesus in a little bit different way this morning. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And I'm calling Psalm 100 a Palm Sunday Psalm for staying with Jesus. Psalm 100, a Palm Sunday Psalm for staying with Jesus. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Come and know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Please be seated. Five verses, 85 words. It has a unique inscription. It's the only psalm of praise for giving thanks. 
We're not quite sure about the date or the author, and we don't know if it was meant exactly to be sung as a, during a festival in a procession or if whether it was meant to be an offering of thanksgiving in the temple. And while some of these details around the psalm are not perfectly clear, the intent and thrust of these words scream at us in brilliant HD. This is a song about God. We get to see his character and his works, and we're given a clear call to respond as his people. Remember, it's Palm Sunday. That Jesus on the donkey, this psalm is about him. If we want to stay with Jesus, we need to see him for who he really is. Who is this God of Psalm 100? Well, let's look at verse 1 and 2. We have a call on our lives. Look at verse 1 and 2. A call to live joyous, live a life of joyous worship and praise before God. And it's not just us. The whole world is called to joy and worship before him. The whole world is called to worship him with their whole life. With our tongues, we are to make joyful noises. With our hands and hearts, we serve him gladly. With our feet and our minds, we are to move towards him with our lives. Our call is to praise God with the words of our mouth, in the works of our bodies, in the direction of our thoughts. All of our lives, everywhere, every day, we are called to praise God. But why are we called to do that? Well, verse 3 gives us the answer. There's a reason for this call. We are called to praise God with all that we have because he is sovereign. He is God. We praise him for his character. He is wholly other. He is wholly perfect. He is set apart. We praise him for what he has done. He is the creator. He made us. He gave us life. And he is our redeemer. He made us his. He saved us. Yes, this is speaking to Israel, but now this life is extended to us through the person and work of Jesus. That is what he is doing on the donkey today. He is going to finish the work that he set out to do. So through Jesus, we have new life. So the one who gave us life now gives us new life. And this one who gave us new life is in control of everything, and we are under his protection. But you also can see what it says about us. Notice who we are and whose we are. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is the good shepherd. In sovereign control, he cares for us and he meets our needs. Let's think about this good shepherd for a second. Please turn to Psalm 23. Most of us probably know this by heart, but I just want to remind us who this Jesus is on that donkey. This is who Jesus is and what he does for us. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does it mean that we are his sheep? Well, it means he meets all of our needs. 
He provides it for us and he gives us rest and peace. He brings refreshment and revival to our souls. He will help us grow in wisdom and holiness. He is with us in every situation. We have nothing to fear. His protection and his correction comfort us. He will provide for all of our needs, even in the face of human hatred and opposition. His goodness and mercy will always be with us. We are his forever, and we will be with him forever. This is the work of the good shepherd for us. God is sovereign in his character and his works. He's deserving of praise from the entire earth. We praise him because he is sovereign. We praise him because we are his. This is Jesus on the donkey that we are looking at. He is the good shepherd. But there's more to this God-man on that donkey than that, and there's, there's more to what he is calling us to do. Look at verse 4. Read verse 4. We're called to live lives of coming towards God with thankfulness. We're to gratefully live in the presence of God. Because of Jesus, we are called to come back to God. He provided the way. In five days after this trip into Jerusalem, the temple veil itself is ripped in two from top to bottom. This temple veil which separated us from the presence of God, now as his people we have access to him. And this Jesus on the donkey is calling us to come. All who are weary and heavy laden, come. Keep looking at and looking for Jesus. He is calling. He wants you to come. Notice the second part of the call. We're told how we are to come to him. We're called to do it thankfully. In verse 5, again, we see the reason that we are called to come to God thankfully. Because God is good. Why should we be grateful that God is good? Think about it for a minute. What would it be like if we worship the all-powerful creator of the universe who holds the universe in his hands and at the core of his being, he wasn't good? Is there a more terrifying thought? We come to God gratefully because he is good. And we're called to be grateful because God does not change in his goodness just in the same way. What if this good God could change? He can't. That's not part of his being. God is good all the time. That is a cause for great gratitude. The world hasn't changed in the few short minutes that I've been up here it's still the same, and we're about to go back into it. But it will change, and under the curse of the fall, we know that it's decaying and dying. But God. But God. In him there's no shadow of change at all. His mercies are new every morning, and his faithfulness extends to all generations. His sovereign goodness will never end and will never change. And when we see Jesus on that donkey, this is who he is. He is the ever-faithful, never-changing, 
always good, all-powerful, maker of the universe. And he wants you to come to him. And not only does he want you to come to him, but he provided the way for you to get there. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus on the donkey going into Holy Week to go to the cross is the ultimate picture of God's goodness and God's sovereignty intersecting. And that is why on Easter we praise him and we thank him. But we need to be there to do so. You want to stay with Jesus this Holy Week and beyond? Remember, he is sovereign. He, he's got all this. He's got all this. Praise him. Remember, he's good. He's got you. He's got you. Let me say that again. He's got you. Thank him. That is a Palm Sunday song for staying with Jesus. But I don't think it would be fair just to leave us with this this image of Jesus because it's a beautiful image. It's a picture of this all-powerful and all-good God who has started to make things right and new again. But he started to finish the job here on on a colt. But there's going to come a day There's going to come a day when he's going to finish it and everything will be made right. Oh, and he's riding again. But it's a very different steed. Look at Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verse 11. I'll read 11 to 16. Remember that Jesus on the donkey. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself, and he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name on which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, We're following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's this Jesus on the donkey. Don't get caught up in trying to solve the world's problems alone. It doesn't mean that we, we, we work hard to make those things happen. But we do that with Jesus, who one day will make all things right. There's coming a day when every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that this Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. But for now, it's Palm Sunday. There's a long way to go to Easter, and there's an even long way to go beyond that. We'll leave here after this service, and we're going to walk out again into this fallen world, and we will be confronted with all that this world can throw throw at us. But the great thing is, because of Jesus, 
because he is sovereign and because he is good, we all now have a choice. And may we choose to run with him, to let him transform us so that we can be about his work in his way, in his world. And we take these little steps and we keep our eyes on Jesus. And we keep our eyes on Jesus by remembering who he is. He is the sovereign king of kings and the unchanging good shepherd. That's how we stay with Jesus. I look forward to seeing you all next Sunday and when the trumpet sounds. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we need your help. Forgive us for fretting and, and not believing and not remembering and taking our eyes off of you and sinking in the waves of this world. Father, you have told us to be anxious for nothing. You are coming back and you will make all things right. Help us to walk with you, not to run from you. Father, may we have our gaze firmly fixed on your son, Jesus, so that we can run the race that you have given us this week and this life with endurance. Help us to lay aside our sin and our fear and our idols. Help us, Father, open our eyes to the wonders of your son, Jesus, who came on a donkey, but who will return on that white horse. Amen.